The biggest thing you gave me was time. I've always been a proponent of do the job, do it well. When you're a family, everyone in the family has to be treated with respect. I couldn't have done this without you coming here to, to K-State. You've been my confidant and, and in the room with me. I want to know who you really are, right? You can put whatever you want on paper, but that that doesn't really matter. His teachers, they meet the learner wherever he is. They don't care what you know. <laughs> Until they know how much you care. Be aggressive. That's when. Here we go. We want no energy vampires. Because when you have a negative culture, sometimes that culture can sap the energy right out of the, the program, right out of the players who are working to, to be able to be dogs, right? Mm -hmm trying everything that they can to, to follow the procedure, to be what the program, what the culture that you are creating is asking them to be. What do you think is the most important facet of creating that positive culture? I think people miss the boat when trying to create a culture in general and not being honest about what the culture is. Um, and what I mean by that is with us, you're gonna be disciplined. If you have no desire to be disciplined, it ain't gonna work. If you have no desire to be obedient to the authority, whether it be coaches, law enforcement, uh, professors, whatever, it ain't gonna work. And if you don't have any grit, meaning you can't overcome adversity, then it ain't gonna work. We try to be really honest with that on, in the beginning. I think most people come in and they don't input the culture, they try to lay the culture in. And, and they ease it in. Instead of just going to punch it and laying, stabbing your flag in the ground and saying this is what it is so everybody can understand. It goes back to our earlier conversation, making sure the rules of the organization are clearly defined. I think when things are clear about how it's gonna be, that we're not allowing energy vampires, that we're not allowing complainers, that we're not allowing guys that can't overcome, then you won't have to deal with that because they, they understand what it is. And before they even come to you with it, somebody else within the culture will go, you better not take that in there. I always say this over time, the culture, the culture will take care of itself, right? The behaviors of the members of the team, they will start to behave as the culture tells them to behave. And those who can't, like you keep saying we, and you keep saying us, See, those people who don't want to be we and us, the culture will spit them out. Mm -hmm. Or they will run away because <laughs> they cannot survive in the heat of the culture. But early on, early on, the leader has to continually drive it. Know that you are about developing other leaders in this place, this moment that you live in. What advice would you give to a young assistant just getting started in the coaching who one day aspires to be a head coach. Well, I was I had the wonderful privilege of being an assistant coach for 18 years and and I wouldn't trade that time for anything and um I, I think um be the be the head coach of your area. I I tell all of our players um or, or excuse me all of our staff members that I expect you to be a top 10 level head coach in your area and be responsible and hold yourself to that level. So I don't care if you're a manager listening to this and you want to be a head coach someday or whether you're an assistant coach or whether you're a ops or how, whatever your role is, know the standards and be 
responsible for that standard in your area and lead as if you're the head coach. We're so interested in climbing the ladder, right? And getting that new title and that new role. And I, I remember I had the, another wonderful privilege when I was an assistant at UCLA, obviously being mentored by Coach Wooden was the number one, but Another thing that I got to do is um, two great coaches, uh, Lorenzo Romar and uh, Mark Gottfried. And Lorenzo's now the coach at Pepperdine, and Mark Gottfried's actually the coach at, uh, at Northridge. But they were assistant coaches on the men's staff, and they lived near me. And we had a long commute, and I told them, we, all, we actually all went to the same church, and I asked them if I could ride to work with them. And if I would babysit their kids for free, if they would let me ride to work with them. And so I did, I babysat, they had five kids between the two of them at the time. And I would come and give them the night out to go to dinner with their wives or whatever, as long as they would let me to uh, go to work. And I still, to this day, I remember something that they were talking about. They were in the front seats and I was in the back seat. And um, they talked about, um, they were talking about making sure that you don't climb the ladder and you don't get to the top of your ladder and remember, and, and remember that your ladder is standing against the wrong wall. And I think it's just so important that if you're wanting to be a head coach and you want to climb the ladder and there's nothing wrong with that, it starts with making sure that your ladder is standing against the correct wall. You being the first Latin female to lead a division one conference, incredible challenges there. Uh, incredible challenges to get there. And so what I'd like to ask you is just to share some of the challenges you see uh, being a minority woman as you've risen up through the ranks. And then if you had to give an overarching message to someone who is following you in your footsteps, what would that be? You know, the, the challenges, and you know, it's hard because I've never been not a minority female. <laughs> right. Yet through right. the ranks, so it's hard to separate those challenges that are inherent to the business, inherent, right. you know, are inherent to being a minority. Right. Um, but I will say one of the things that kind of makes me laugh and, you know, through some tears at times is, I am the commissioner of the West Coast Conference. Oh, are, are you over all the women's sports? Yes. <laughs> really? Oh, I mean, there's one commissioner over both. <laughs> right. That's something that's really indicative of this inability to fully understand or see that women can lead organizations both over men's and women's sports. And, and so I think advice to your second part of your question is, you know, I've always been a proponent of do the job, do it well. Just no matter what aspect of it, there are some very fun, high level, high profile aspects. And there are also those things that just aren't as fun. They're not as sexy. You know, yes. in life, it sounds like officiating and <laughs> governance, you know, but if you do them all well and you pour your whole self into them, um, A, you learn a lot of great tools and, and B, then, you know, it just, reduce the number of places people can either nick at you or criticize or, you know, try to set you back. Right. You were the head coach of the New York Jets. When you think about that experience, what, what are some things that you took from that experience that you'll never forget and that you would share with someone who would look to be a head coach, NFL, college, whatever, in their future. One of the biggest things, I think, when you go into interview for the job, you're not just interviewing, you should be interviewing them as well. 
And I think many of us going into a first-time job try to say what they want to hear or what you think they want to hear, but that's not the case at all. You need to be the interviewer and the interviewee. You need to ask questions of why did the last coach get fired? Uh, what kind of program are you looking to build? What establishment are you trying to build? First and foremost, you need to see if there's a connection from that way, because if there's not a connection that way, then the rest of the interview is going to be null and void. And after that, how do you want them to lead? What are, they, are you trying to win right away? Are you trying to rebuild? Are you trying, What resources do we have for each other that's going to match up and do those type of things? And last but not least, are you going to get the resources for your coaches and the things you need to win? And, you know, there's there's got to be a big correlation, almost a brotherhood between the head coach and the general manager. And although they will disagree, the owner should be able to go to the head coach and general manager and ask the same questions if they're apart and get the same answers and be on the same page. There's got to be a big unity there. But the head coach has to carry the building. You need to treat everyone as equal so they can do their job better so the team can be better. From the maintenance worker to the cafeteria worker to the mailroom guys, everybody needs to be treated with a big level of respect and I think that brings the building up and that brings to the continuity of what you're trying to do going forward and I think the team needs to be established that way as well. At the end of the day our goal is not to change people's opinions or change people if we can just get people to subconsciously or consciously think differently when when they see something or say something or just have a greater appreciation and empathy for their fellow coworkers or student athletes, then we're starting to make a difference and do our job. Right. 100%. I, I believe that, you know, where we are as a country is that we, it's really easy to highlight you have on a green shirt. I have on a blue shirt. It's easy to highlight the differences. Right. And, and guess what? There are different things. Let's respect those. Right. Let's respect those, but let's work together like we talked about, like we do in athletics all the time. Let's work together to make our world a better place. Let's not let our differences have us divided. Let's not let our differences make us pull against each other because we all want the same thing. Everybody wants to be able to take care of their families. Everybody wants to to live a certain way. And, and, and so if we all want that, let's, let's join together to fight for that. I think it's important that, again, like you said, um, that we make commitments as leaders in athletics to, to make sure that, that, that we hold those things as long as we can and that we keep our, our young student athletes locked in on, on those, on those values, on that vision. And it's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay. To, right. It's okay to feel awkward and ask a question, but the worst thing you can do is be quiet and, and, and not talk. So hiring a new coach or a staff member, how do you look to identify who will be the best addition to your team? So I look for people that, that, that I feel like they have a constitution. And so whatever mm -hmm. that value set is, I'm going to, I'm going to probe and peer and, and poke until I find out what I think that is. Because that's, to me, that's the part that had to match. 
a lot of people, myself included, can develop the skill sets, but the character piece, the value piece is embedded. And, you know, to me, that's regardless of people's skill set, if, if, the, if the values piece doesn't match up, you know, uh, more times than not, I just, I, I wouldn't go that direction because regardless of, of outcomes, we're not doing this together. We don't believe in the same thing. I don't like where we're going. Mm -hmm. And so that's always kind of the litmus test that I, that I apply. Now, I love having... What things are important to you when it comes to identifying who will be the best leader for your teams? For me, Van, I, I kind of have a criteria for a candidate profile, regardless if it's a football coach, a women's soccer coach, a tennis coach, it doesn't matter. And the number one thing that I try to identify in, in the candidate to allow them to even make the list is, do they have an ability, a proven ability to build positive relationships with their student athletes? Because I personally feel like if that can happen between a coach and a student athlete, regardless of the talent level of that student athlete, that type of coach can get a young man or young woman to run through the wall for them. Right. A positive relationship is there. Two, uh, I look for um, uh, relentless recruiters. You know, I'm a firm believer that recruiting is the lifeblood of the sport program success. Three, uh, I like to identify proven winners. You know, they don't have to be a previous head coach or have head coaching experience per se. And certainly at the group of five level, quite honestly, you're going to give people a first time head coaching opportunity, just like we did with Billy Napier. And so, but as long as that individual can, can demonstrate and that I can see that they have been around winning programs that do it the right way and understand what it takes, you know, to, to win. Because as you know, you know, winning is hard enough. Sustaining winning is even harder. And that's, that's what we're looking to do here because, you know, I want to, I want, my goal is I don't want Louisiana to be a stepping stone. I'd really like us to be a destination location, uh, but that takes resources and facilities and things of that nature. And then finally, um, you know, the thing I look for is that they absolutely prioritize the academic success of their student athletes. Right. And, and those last three aren't really in any particular order. Right. Um, but the one that's at the top of my list is what I really try to identify is that ability to build positive relationships with student athletes. Coaches who coached me put this into me and I try to put it into my players is that, listen, I can get anybody to, to play cover three on third down. Mm -hmm. Right. But if but if you know and coaches always say they don't care what you know. They want to know that you care. And so I, I try to push that to our players. What are some things that make you know this is the right person? This is the right fit for my program? Yeah, because if you're interviewing them, you, you already have a sense of kind of the X's and O's and the winning and, and, and some of those things. And so I've always said that if I can help another student get half as good as experience as I did, it will be incredible. And, um, and that's really what I want to see, you know, in folks that I hire, you know, coaches and those, are you really going to try to impact people's lives? You know, I always feel like, you know, our responsibility is to make sure, because I feel like everyone, they get a spark. The question is, when do they get it? And I feel like our goal is to make sure they get it while they're in college. Now, it might not be till they're a senior. We're trying to get it to them as a freshman. You know, but we all, all come in heads, 
and it just takes us a little while. But we should be trying to make sure that people get the spark. And if they get the spark, they'll take advantage of all the things that are available in college, and they'll really be ready to go, whether they're good enough to go to the next level athletically, or they're going to go out and do something professionally with the degree and the things that they learn. And so, so that's what I'm really looking for, someone who's really trying to do that, because at the end of the day, that's how you're going to impact people. Early on in this podcast, I had one of my former players who happens to be the head coach at Colorado Mesa University, Tremaine Jackson. Okay. And, you know, one of the things that Tremaine said that, that I was, I mean, made me feel real good as his, as his former coach, he said, Coach, you know, what you did when I was in high school, when I coached him, he said, you gave me the hope and you gave me the inspiration that I could be like you, that I could one day influence right. people, that I could change lives like you did. And you always expressed to me that I could do that. It's really cool as a coach, you know, for you to see them realize that moment when all the work that coaches along the way have put in, and now he finally hit. With all that's going on uh, with, with social issues in our society, you guys have instituted the Green Wave Justice for All program. What does that program do to create dialogue in your department daily? Well, first of all, I think you know the what's happened with social justice. Just it, just speaking about in the intercollegiate athletics world, is leaders have had to be followers. You know, we have had to turn around and start listening. You know, to to our student athletes. And, and one of the striking things for me over the last few months is I had no idea what some of our student athletes had gone through before they got here. I had no idea what they were going through here. I had no idea that we had coaches on our staff getting pulled over. I had no idea some of the stuff that had, had gone on. And so, you know, I think you, we started to lead by listening. Greenwave Justice for All is, is really listening. It's the student athletes uh, that got together. It's, it's our staff that got together and said, what, what can we, what should we do? Uh, how do we make an impact? It's a time where our student athletes are realizing that they have a voice, that they have an incredible uh, pulpit. And, and I think it's important for us as leaders, for me as a coach, to make sure that, that they are leading and that they are operating in a positive way. Because a lot of people uh, today, they, they just want to get in their corners and they just want to fight. You know, they, they, you give me, wait a minute, you say that, we're fighting. And, and it's not about that. It's it, the message. We have to make sure we educate our young people that the message, the way you direct, the way you take the message is going to be uh, very important in, in, in the type of responses that you get.